Welcome to The Automators. I'm David Sparks and joined by my co-host, Rosemary Orchard. How are you today, Rosemary? I'm good, David. I lost some AirPods the other day, um, and so I ordered a case and an AirTag holder and an AirTag. Found my AirPods. They're now in the case with the AirTag. So next time I lose them, I can automate finding them, which is great. Wait, wait a second. So you lost the entire AirPods or just the yeah, case? Yeah, AirPods plus case. Okay. Yep. Well, that hurts. You, you yep, know what yep. the, the worst thing is, is when you open the AirPods case and there's one AirPod in there and yep. you're like, oh boy. And the other one's not in your ear. Oh boy. Mm-mm. Right? Yep. So, but you can now get an AirPods case that has a holder for an AirTag. Huh. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a spidgen one for the Air, uh, AirPods Pro, but I just grabbed, uh, they have some little ones with like keychains on the side. Yeah. So I just chucked an AirTag on that because that works for me. Boy, if only the same company made the AirTags and AirPods, then they could combine the AirTag technology into the AirPod case. But it's insane. Yeah. But yeah. hey, we are the automators. We're not here to talk about AirPods and ta- AirTags. We're here to talk about automation. And we have an excellent guest today. Welcome to the show, Chris Lolly. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. Excellent guest. Woo, that's that's some pressure right there. Uh, well, there, it's on, baby, because uh, you are a content creator of some renown. Now, gang, if you like your iPad, just you know, pause the show right now. Go over to YouTube and search out Chris Lolly's um, YouTube channel. We'll put a link in the show notes. Even we'll make it easy for you. Chris is one of the uh, premier, I would say, iPad um youtubers out there because he he runs primarily on ipad and mm-hmm. has a lot of great content on it using his ipad to get his work done uh, i once stumbled into your video chris I, how i found the the lolly verse was when i uh was looking at um ipad setups and you have a video where your whole desk setup and you've got like a cool clicky keyboard and external monitor and i really enjoyed watching your video about how you're using your iPad at your desk, but there's a whole bunch more stuff there. So if you guys are interested in that, but we wanted to have Chris on to talk about automation today. And, um, and he was nice enough to say yes. Yeah. Thank thank you so much for those words. Yeah. Um, I do work primarily from the iPad and I enjoy it all the time. And I do a lot of automation stuff from my iPad. Well, that's what we're here to talk about because I know uh, I've seen quite a few of your videos and so on, Chris. I have to confess, I didn't watch everything in your back catalog oh, that's in preparation okay. for the show. Um, that's okay. <laughs> but, you know, that that's mostly because there's an awful lot there, um, which is, of course, a good thing. Um, but I know that you do have a lot of automation and, and I know that you've talked to Matthew Castanelli quite a bit as well, which is, I'm certain, giving you ideas, same as you've given him ideas. And it's it's always interesting seeing what different people come up with to solve their problems and how their workflows work with these automations built in. Yeah, uh, Matthew and I, him and I talk almost daily, uh, especially over this beta period. And him and I have just been like kind of uh, running off of each other just with ideas. And we like I uh, brought a couple of things to talk about here today, but not even everything that I've come up with uh, that I can do with shortcuts in iOS and iPadOS 15. There's just a lot of really cool stuff that's been added over this beta period. A lot of bugs, too, but a lot of really cool stuff. And uh, I'm I'm just super excited about this. I love automating stuff. Anything that can speed up my workflow. Uh, I'm self-employed now uh, since last December. So anything that could, you know, speed up my workflow, uh, give me um, more time in my day, I am down to do. Well, you know, Rose and I have covered iOS 15 and shortcuts uh, really kind of briefly right after WWDC, but obviously things have been evolving 
We're getting increasingly frequent betas, which is always a sign that they're getting close to the end. And uh, as we record this, there's a there's a heck of a rumor out that in a week or two, we're going to have an Apple event to get the new iPhone and a release date for iOS 15. So um, that may be out actually before the show releases. <laughs> so, oh, wow. We're, we're jumping yeah. time here, guys. But either way, uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, but Chris, what are you particularly excited about with iOS 15 and shortcuts? Um, there are a whole bunch of new actions that I'm really excited about. The The big ones that I've been asking for a while are files uh, actions. So basically being able to move files around using shortcuts, yeah. um, uh, um, you know, save stuff, delete stuff, all sorts of different files actions there. I, I feel like on that, on that files action uh, question, I really feel like this is a boon from them adding shortcuts to the Mac. You know, we, yeah, uh, I, I was hesitant to get shortcuts on the Mac because I felt like, the Mac already has so many automation tools. I wanted the team, the shortcuts team, to spend all their time just making iPad and iPhone automation better because I I, I got it covered really already on the Mac, and uh, but that was something I didn't expect. But in the effort of making file, they had to have file related automation on the Mac mm-hmm. in order to make it yeah. work at all. But then once they added that, they're like, oh, why don't we just bring it back over to iPhone and iPad? And I do think you're right. That is going to be a huge benefit for anybody that wants to work with files. Yes, I've been playing around with Obsidian over the summer. It's still a little too rough for me to go all in on it right now, especially on the iPad. Oh, Chris, Uh, Chris, Chris, you said the word Obsidian. Now the show is all Obsidian. Sorry, gang. We spent the next two hours talking about Obsidian. I'm I'm really excited for that application. Their iPad app is still a little too rough for me to go all in on it just yet. Um, But the stuff that I've been seeing people do and the stuff that I was playing around with over the summer with Obsidian and using those files actions because Obsidian just, you know, has folders and text files. That's it. Uh, You could do some pretty cool stuff with it. Uh, But like the other actions that are in iOS 15 and stuff are are like live text uh, actions, the OCR features. That is awesome i'm super excited about that especially the action that allows you um i'm blanking on what the actual name is off the top of my head right now but it basically allows you to pull a page from a pdf or pages like select the you know do you want the first page or you yeah. know page 13 through 15 or whatever i'm i'm pretty excited for those just because i get a lot of pdf documents and this may you know this helps trim those down because a lot of those have uh extra fluff in them that is not necessary yeah the number of times i've been given a pdf and every fourth page is blank or something because they intended this to be printed or whatever it is no i I, I, i'm not printing this i've got an ipad pro with an apple pencil why would i print this exactly Um, yeah yeah being able to take advantage of that and yeah the split pdf document into pages action is is great i was actually using previously i was always hacking the make pdf action um where um you could uh include specific pages page range um which would help but you would have to repeat multiple times to to get multiple page ranges and it was just frustrating so i'm glad that we now have the the split option and again that is another i'm i guess i'm the mac advocate today but that's another thing that we got because those tools were an automator and Mm -hmm. you know one Mm -hmm. of the things with shortcuts on the mac is they want it to eventually replace automator so they're pulling those actions over and we got a whole pdf suite now on ipad and iphone it's like awesome you know all all this stuff is i'm really happy with the state of shortcuts you know i mean when you think about when Apple bought it, 
And everybody was like, oh, that's that, you know, <laughs> they're going to put those guys, <laughs> you know, those guys are going to be working on font implementation in numbers or something. They're not going to be making automation tools anymore. And no, they really just let them run. I, I feel like this is Apple at its best, you know, bringing in an outside company and then and putting their cool tool inside the operating system. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm so excited the 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 jumps that shortcuts has made every single year since what was it ios 12 uh yeah. that it was uh put in i mean that wasn't that long ago that was three years ago uh and where where we were and where we are now is just it's it's amazing i mean when workflow was purchased uh workflow you know third-party apps had to work with the workflow team to get their actions in there and it was all x callback url based and now we have parameters and all this fun stuff that I'm just super excited to dive into. Yeah. Have, has uh, iOS 15's updates to shortcuts given you any shortcuts that you've always like wanted but been unable to to write? Um, I You know, some of the really interesting ones are kind of simple, uh, like... Being able to put apps in a split view and slide over is really big. I, mm -hmm. I work primarily from the iPad um, and the multitasking implementation on the iPad is good. But my biggest issue with it is when you create a split view pair, it pulls the instance that you're putting in that pair. It pulls the last instance used of that app that you're putting in the pair. So if that instance of that app was already in split view with another app, it was in slide over or it had something full screen that you wanted to stay full screen. Well, now that's in split view. Yeah. So with these actions, I'm able to kind of, you know, quickly put together these, these um, workspaces that I use. So like I have dra uh, drafts and things open a lot or things in fantastical. So like I just created little shortcuts, um, keyboard, um, what do they call them in iOS? I always forget it on the name, but basically keyboard shortcuts where you can like uh, type in a phrase yeah. mm -hmm. and then it autofills the, the key. key. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That's what it is. Um, so like I have a couple of those that I can just type those and it'll just bring up things in Fantastical or things in drafts or whatever. It, the Those those small little actions like that really do make a huge difference. All right. I need a little explanation on that. I, so you're using the text replacement tool where... You type a few letters and it blops out to a whole bunch of text, but you're using that to trigger the the setup. Yes, I left out the key part using Spotlight, okay, so you can gotcha. trigger shortcuts via Spotlight. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it, actually, a former guest of your show was the one that gave me the idea for this, Tim Nahumic. Yeah. Uh, so basically, you can just hit Command Space. Um, for example, if I can hit TT and that'll fill in time tracking, and yeah. hit Enter and it'll run my time tracking shortcut. Nice. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That so you're combining the the text replacement with Spotlight, which yeah, got it. Because Spotlight got better, and you can run shortcuts from Spotlight now. Yes, I you, I think they started doing that last year. Um, I've been doing it for a while, but yeah, it's I I think that started last year. At least last year, it ran uh without opening the shortcuts app. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was super fun back when it, every time you ran a shortcut, it bounced you into the <laughs> shortcuts app. And then maybe the yeah, browser, yeah. too, just for fun. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. was mm, yeah, that was the good old days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or back in the early workflow days when anytime you installed the app, you had a you had to build the uh make gif short or workflow. Yeah. Yeah. When you first yep. installed it. I don't know how many times I had to put together that shortcut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or w- workflow, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, that was pretty yes. crazy. Yeah, I think they got rid of that fairly early on based on a lot of feedback in the uh the subreddit for workflow back in the day. Because uh, I, I remember being there and installing it on a new iPad or a new iPhone, having to do it and just going, this is enough, email. <laughs> uh, and it disappeared shortly afterwards. I'm not going to cr- claim credit for it disappearing. I think it was probably, you know, I, iPhone release time or iPad release time and lots of people were getting new devices and emailing them and they just went, whoa, okay, we're getting real of this now. Yeah. Chris did say something that I want to like step back to to look at closer. And that's the idea that a lot of these new actions are really pretty simple and a lot of the better new actions he's talking about are shortcuts are are simple shortcuts that have one or two steps taking advantage of these new actions like as an example of that would be setting up your perfect setup like maybe your task manager next to your calendar or drafts next to you know whatever and um mm-hmm. And the thing I want to point out about that, because we all, all, you know, we always self-select as nerds and we bring in to the show uh, really smart people like Chris and Tim who write these really advanced shortcuts that have, you know, sometimes hundreds of steps. But if you're listening to the show, understand that a lot of the most useful shortcuts you're going to write are going to be five or less steps, probably two or less steps, really. Um, And uh, you should not be intimidated by this stuff. Just learn what the actions are, and you can put together quick shortcuts that really can can change your day. You know, I would say a vast majority of my shortcuts, at least more than fifty percent, have five actions or fewer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine are pretty much the same. I was going through looking at some because I, I recently created um, three shortcuts which do almost exactly the same thing, except you know, the, the final result is, you know, I selected a different variable and I just yeah. wanted them as different shortcuts. Um, and, um, you know, and looking at those, so that's three shortcuts with four actions each in them. Two actions, three actions. There's one here with 11 actions that I created for somebody else. Uh, two actions, one action. All of these are really, really short shortcuts, but they do exactly what it is I need them to do, which is, of course, the brilliant thing. And with the new file management tools, that kind of like really helps. Like if you're making a shortcut that makes a special kind of file, but maybe there's three different places you may need to put that file, you know, based on your work requirements. You Mm -hmm. could just make it once and then make two duplicates and just change the last step to put it in a different folder. You've got three. So really the effort of making one shortcut, you made three and you've got one customized for each required result. And the stuff really is just, It's not that hard once you start digging in on it. This episode of the Automators podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Post a job for free by going to linkedin.com slash automators. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever. Time spent searching for and interviewing the wrong candidates for a job opening could be time better spent growing a business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get the candidates worth interviewing faster. And it's free. I find the process of hiring employees daunting because it's so important that you get the right combination of skills and attitude and mindset out of a person if they're going to join your team. 
especially with small teams. If you get the wrong person, you can completely upset the chemistry and affect the team dynamic. Conversely, if you get the right person, it can bring your team to the next level. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a job post in minutes to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with the skills and experience you need. Use screening questions to get the role in front of only the most qualified people. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidate worth interviewing faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash automators. That's linkedin.com slash automators to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. So Chris, you were talking about using workflow back in the early days, but where did you really get started in automation? What was the first automation you remember creating? You know, I don't really remember what exactly it was. Uh, I got really into XBMC, which is now Cody, which is kind of like a flavor. Or I think it was like the original version of Plex. And then yeah, like it was branched off to it. Yeah. It, anyways, it was like a media center. And I remember vaguely about making some kind of automation. I honestly don't remember how it worked at all. Uh, but it was like moving files around and renaming files. Because when it came to doing XBMC, and this is why I gave up on all that and Plex and all that stuff, is it's so much management. It's mm-hmm. It's a lot of file management and things like that. And I was using terrible hard drives that were constantly crashing. So I was having to restore from backups and things like that. It was it was a it was a nightmare. Um, but I kind of remember like having to do something like that. And I think I did it with Automator, but I don't remember for sure, to be honest. It was years and years and years ago. That makes sense. Yeah, I I, I do have my own Plex server. And to nobody's surprise, I have highly automated my process for adding new media. So I rip it on my Mac, I give it an approximate name, chuck it in a folder and say to some other applications, which then rename and organize everything, hey, the, this show is is here, grab it and do the magic for me. And then it actually does it and it downloads all the metadata, does the proper renaming and everything. Tells me, hey, there's a new season of this available, go buy the DVD, which is perfect. Um, so so that's really handy. But yeah, it, it, it to set it up was a bit of work. Now it's up and running. I have no problems with it, touch wood, but I can imagine that it it is too much work, especially in a world where Netflix probably has most things that you need. Yeah. And like at the time, what I was doing is using a service that sent DVDs to your house and, you know, ripping them and, you know, putting them on my library and stuff like that. So it was just a lot of it was just a lot of work. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, you know, if I want a movie, I can just rent it from iTunes. Like, that's fine. Yes. Yeah, that was, you know, if if my if this stuff was working when my kids were younger, I would have gone really deep down that rabbit hole cuz when your kids are little, they will watch the same show like 50 times. But um it really wasn't working. We just had like the ability to rip DVDs back then and the network mm-hmm. attached storage stuff, you know, really wasn't great. Um but uh mm-hmm. but as soon as the kids got older, I I like I gave up on all that. Just the whole idea of managing it just gives me a headache. So yeah, I get it. But then at some point, though, you had started this love affair with the iPad. How did that happen? Yeah. So um, 
I first started uh, kind of, I, well, let me back up even a little further. Um, so I had an IT job. Uh, when I turned 21, I got my first IT job. Uh, and it was, you know, just entry level help desk stuff. And I am a creative person. I went to film school. I used to make short films. I, I just, I have to do a creative job. And IT is about as far away from a creative job as you can get sure. uh, because it's very procedural. Like it's very, you know, these are the steps you need to follow. These are the things you need to do every day. Um, and I was bored out of my mind. So I started a blog, uh, which was the untitled site. And I started blogging and I realized I just I didn't enjoy writing uh, or publishing writing. I, I always enjoyed making videos. So I got the idea to make videos. So I started up a YouTube channel. And uh, there I started talking about the iPad and apps and all sorts of different things. And it just became like a huge love affair of just like, I truly love computers. And this is like the thing I I just enjoy doing. Uh, when I started my YouTube channel, I was managing it from a, a MacBook Pro. But about 10 videos in, that's when an app called LumaFusion came out. And for those that don't know, LumaFusion is a multi-track video editor that works on the iPad and the iPhone, but it works best on the iPad just because of screen real estate. Yeah. Uh, and when that came out, I was like, uh, I could do my whole workflow on the iPad. Was it easy? No, because it was, you know, the days of, I think, iOS 9 or 10. Like, it, it was, you know, it, it was it was still pretty rough. Like, we didn't have a files app and things like that. Um, I, you couldn't even import stuff off of an SD card. I had to use AirDrop to move video files and stuff over to my iPad. Um, but I really liked working from the iPad. I'm, I have ADHD and one of the things about the Mac, that's all Mac PC, any traditional computer that's always kind of bugged me is having a ton of windows open. It always pulls my attention away from what I should be focused on. And with the iPad, I could just have one app open full screen and that's what I could be focused on. Then I could put something in split view or slide over if need be, but I could really limit myself to just the thing that I needed to focus. And uh, I, cause I, I struggle, I still struggle with focus. I don't take medication for ADHD cause it's always given me weird side effects like headaches and stuff like that. Um, so I try and manage it myself. So, you know, using a computer that kind of works with the way my brain works uh, was super helpful, but I just found the app ecosystem to be really interesting. There was new stuff happening. It reminded me of, you know, not the early days of computing, but I, I got into computers when I was a kid because my dad was into computers and my the era I grew up in was like Windows 95, 98, all that stuff. And like everything was still really rough and like cool things were happening on computers and stuff. So it just kind of reminded me of that. And I felt a little nostalgic for that, too, at the same time. Yeah. I, when I wrote the iPad at workbook, they you didn't have any way to share except plugging a copper cable into iTunes mm -hmm. and then putting the file in iTunes. It was like, when you think back about how they started with the iPad, it's like, what were they thinking, man? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Luma fusion is an app. It's, it, you know, we we're the automators, so we don't get into stuff like this very often, but man, if you are out there and have any interest in doing video with your iPad and you know, now that an iPad has an M one processor in it, uh, why not? Right. Uh, Luma fusion is like, it's a killer app and it's like what? So, so final cut is, I think it's $300 now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Luma fusion's like, is it $30? I think it's like yeah. one tenth the price. 
Yeah, it's it's thirty dollars, and I would say it's a lot more intuitive than Final Cut. I've been a Final Cut, Premiere Pro, and Avid editor in the past. I've I've used all the big three, uh, and uh, LumaFusion is the most intuitive. So if you have zero editing experience, it's the easiest to just get into and figure out. Um, you know, how to start editing video, how to start chopping up video, color correcting and things like that. I've always looked at you, LumaFuser and been a little daunted because I don't do that kind of video editing very often. But that said, whenever I've actually gone in and played with it, I've also found that it's surprisingly easy to get to grips with once you actually have a project in there. It's just if you're poking around at it going, oh, I'm not sure about this because you, you're not actually doing anything. I think what a lot of these apps learning by doing is really the trick. Yeah, the the big thing is if you have like three video clips, just drop them in the timeline and just start playing around. Um, you're not going to hurt anything. It's what's called a non-destructive editor, which is like an old school term from back in the days of like when when stuff was actually on film uh, and people were cutting and gluing things. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, it's totally safe to play around with, and it's I think it's pretty easy to pick up when it's compared to something like Final Cut or Premiere. And so, so the, the attraction for you partly was the software, but also Mm -hmm. at some point you found your way down the automation rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, with apps like workflow and which is now shortcuts, uh, and drafts, um, workflow for me was just kind of a way to, um, fill in those gaps that the iPad of things, the iPad couldn't do at the time. Now, where we're at right now with iPad OS 15, those gaps that I was using workflow to fill in have mostly been covered. Like I don't, I don't sure. have to worry about moving files around and things like that because there is a files app. Uh, but that being said, shortcuts can do a lot of other stuff on top of that. But workflow was just an interesting and easy to understand application when it came to automation. Uh, I, I think this was kind of like my first real like, okay, I fully understand this. I can build something from scratch without having to go Google like I need this snippet of code or how to do step one, two, and three. Like workflow was kind of the first way that I I fully like kind of helped me understand how automation could, um, uh, you know, improve my life, help speed up my workflow, which and turn i took that to my day job which at the time was it i picked up powershell which is just a whole fun thing right there i say fun sarcastically (laughs) uh but through powershell and a few other windows tools i automated about 80 85 percent of my last job which allowed me to work on my video stuff when i shouldn't have been working on my video stuff i should have been doing my day job but oh well uh and which but automating that allowed me to make sure my my job was still being done, even though it was being done in the background, work on the job that I was really excited about, videos, and then last December quit that job and go full-time making videos for the internet. I think automating your your day job is one of those things where if you if you know what you're doing and you've done it right, you're you aren't gonna have a problem unless you actually yeah. forget where your day job is. There have been a couple of those stories where people have automated their jobs and forgot how it actually worked and just sat there taking the salary, which fair enough, but knowing how your automations work is probably pretty critical. And it certainly yeah. sounds like you you figured that much out. It's also a challenge though. I mean, like when you automate things in your day job. Like I remember my old job, I automated so much that they didn't have to hire some support staff for me. And like all this, I saved them a bunch of money, but they were always a little like leery of me because it's like, 
well, are you actually working? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> well, the nice thing for me is uh, the company, it was an insurance company that I was working for. So it's not a tech 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 company or anything like that. Yeah. And as far as like the technology stack, I was at the top in the company. So there really wasn't anyone to question whether or not I was like actually doing my job or anything like that, because yeah. like they had no idea what I actually did they just know like hey if the internet doesn't work i'm the person you call yeah that that's the other thing i have that because i represent a lot in my day lawyer job i represent a lot of it people and i always have this speech i give them about the problem with being it is that you're a wizard and people don't understand your magic so like if something goes wrong because of something you did they may not think it was you because of magic but if something goes wrong that you didn't do they'll still think it's you because of magic. Oh, yeah. You know, they don't understand what's going on. So uh, you're going to have random blame thrown at you occasionally. My my first day in that job as the as the senior network admin, the Internet went out. Our yeah. ISP had issues and I was freaking out because I was like, this is my first day. Like, how how do I just explain this isn't my fault on my first day? So, yeah, yeah that was that was not a fun, fun yeah. day. <laughs> On the other hand, trial by fire, clearly you survived. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did not fire me, so that's nice. <laughs> yes, not firing you for something that's not your fault is usually a good start to these things. But, yes. <laughs> so so you started out with workflow and shortcuts to kind of saw, scratch your own itch, but at some point you started to kind of like teach people about this stuff. And, you know, at what point did your interest in, in shortcuts run deeper than merely as user? When I started my YouTube channel and started talking about apps, I think the biggest request right away was workflow videos, uh, videos yeah. about using workflow. I don't think those are still live just because like they're 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 so old now, like the the information didn't hold up. Yeah. Um, but and I kind of put off doing it because I was like, this is such a beast to tackle. And then when I finally felt comfortable, like in the position where I was like, okay, I have my video making process down. I have my research and writing process down. I feel like I can finally tackle this. I made two videos, uh, one about just making like a simple workflow. And then the second one I think was talking about magic variable. No, no, I'm sorry. That was later on, but there was a second video. And then right after that second video is when Apple purchased workflow. So it kind of like took the air out of the tires because we didn't know what was happening. But then right. I think they put out the uh, the magic variable update later on or something like I don't remember the timeline of everything. It's all kind of jumbled in my head because, uh, yeah. you know, after this last year, who knows what time is. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it kind of took the air out of the tires a little bit. But when iOS 12 came out. And we saw shortcuts kind of being integrated and Siri shortcuts became a thing where, you know, third party apps could donate actions and stuff like that. Um, people got really into it. And I made like, I, I don't even know, it must have been about eight videos after iOS 12 came out. And all of those videos, like people were super excited for that. And ever since then. Um, I just like talking about shortcuts. I don't make a lot of sh dedicated videos for shortcuts, but what I try and do is anytime I talk about an app or a service, I try and roll a shortcut or two or four into it. That way I can kind of uh, just make sure people know about it and pe make sure people are aware of it and also give people shortcuts. If, if people don't want to build shortcuts, like if they find it too intimidating, uh, I will always try and link to shortcuts in the descriptions of videos and stuff like that. So they have something to play around with so they can kind of understand what shortcuts is and why 
uh, it's important for users, especially iPhone and iPad users and soon to be Mac users. So can you share a shortcut with us that you've recently created that you're excited about? Yes. Um, so one of the one of my absolute favorite features in iPadOS 15 is uh, a quick note. I think it's a, a fantastic feature. Basically allows you to take a note anywhere in the OS when you're on uh, on an iPad. Yeah. Uh, but one of the issues with it is um, uh, it's limited to the notes app. So what I would like to see in the future, and this is totally besides the point, is Apple open that up to third parties and give like a quick note API and let apps like Drafts or Bear or Craft or Obsidian or whatever yeah. make their own version of quick note. That would be cool. But mm. that's not there today. Uh, so I made a shortcut using the new input action, get on screen content. And what this does is it takes the content that is on the screen and passes it into a shortcut. Now, I don't know about you guys, but on the beta, I've only gotten this to work with URLs, like that web pages. That's it. Yeah. I've I've never gotten this to work with anything that the quick note linking can work with. Uh, so that is kind of a bummer, but I've made it work. Uh, so what I did with this is it gets the on-screen content. It pulls the URL using regex and shows the link. So if there is something on screen that's valid that get on-screen content works with, it'll show that link and then I can choose to attach it to a, a new draft because this works with the drafts app. Sure. Um, it'll attach it to the drafts app and then ask for my note. I can just type the note in and it'll create that note. Kind of a, it's not a perfect quick note alternative. I call it quick draft because, you know, it's mm -hmm. a draft. Um, uh, my naming is not clever at all. <laughs> but it, clever it's naming is nice. not important. Accurate naming is. Yeah, um, and I think that's pretty accurate. But what's nice is when it attaches the link, it uses regex to pull the link and markdown to pull the the uh, the domain name of the website and formats it properly. Now, there is a weird bug with beta 8 of iPadOS 15. I need to submit feedback for it today. I just noticed it this morning because uh, beta 8 literally just came out a little, like I think a day ago at the time of recording this. Sorry to date it, but... Uh, it shows that link like three times when, when it shows a preview of that link. For some reason, it's just a bug. But when you go to attach it, it only attaches it once. So I'm not entirely sure what's happening with that bug there. But it's it's just a it's a nice alternative um, for those that don't use the Notes app. You can easily swap out the drafts action with just about any other note-taking app that supports uh, shortcuts. Uh, and if you don't want to attach it, in the menu option, there's a don't attach button right there. So you can just type out whatever you want in the note. And, and there's a clever piece in there, too, that if there is nothing to attach, it just skips that part altogether. Like it doesn't even ask you if you want to attach or uh, attach a link or not. It just um, it, it just gives you a, a plain ask for input box so you can type your note and it'll save it to drafts. So, so share an example of where in your day to day life you've used that shortcut. Okay, so I'm doing a ton of research right now uh, just with a few apps that, you know, pay web pages of apps that are being worked on right now um, for upcoming iOS and iPadOS 15 stuff. Um, I did a lot of uh, research in Obsidian for Obsidian. I didn't quite make that jump yet, but for Obsidian that I was saving links to that. But basically, it's just a nice way to quickly like, hey, I have this web page. I need to save it. So let me save it to Drafts, which Drafts is a markdown app. It's one of my favorite things about it and why I 
just I struggle using the notes app because it doesn't support Markdown. Uh, so this allows me to kind of take that web page, that link, put it in drafts, um, and I could save that link anywhere, format it in Markdown, and add my notes, thoughts, whatever to it. And another nice thing you could do with that, I, I haven't seen the shortcut itself, but just thinking it through, because drafts has so much shortcut support, you could like have it append to an existing draft if you wanted. Like yeah. if you had your Obsidian research note and you could write a custom shortcut or do a choose from menu and have it save that, you know, that captured a draft in a pre, you know, determined location. So I, I do that. Um, I have two other like drafts that are kind of branches of the, or I'm sorry, I have two other shortcuts that are kind of branches of this shortcut right there. Yeah. One that is one that appends to a drafts document called apps to check out. Yeah. And then one that appends to another drafts document called stuff to check out. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's just nice. I just swapped out the new drafts action for the append action. I have a very similar shortcut. I wrote that deals with my field guides and, when someone writes me an email or I see something online that I think I may want to include in a future update, I just select the text and trigger a shortcut and then draft says, which one, you know, and I click, you know, this is for, you know, this is for the shortcuts field guide. And I push the button and then it saves that text with designations into a drafts file that we're using the appended end. So then I can just, when it's time to go to the update, I just go and I've got a list of everything I need to see. And that's like a three action shortcut. I mean, it's not a big shortcut. Yeah, I, I mean, this shortcut right here, even with the menus and stuff like that, uh, it's only 14 actions. Uh, when when you start bringing in regex and stuff like that, it sounds really complicated and can look complicated, but uh, it's not it's not a hundred action shortcut. In fact, I don't think I've made that many like plus 50 action shortcuts. I think most useful ones for me are kind of in that like five to 20 action range when they like useful complex shortcuts. Yeah, well, clearly Apple doesn't want you to make really long ones because the interface has no capability of really doing that right. Yeah, I mean, there is. So in iOS and iPadOS 15, you can now collapse actions yeah. like menus and if statements. And that's nice. The actions themselves are are smaller. They don't take up as much space on screen. I think that more has more to do with like uh, devices like the iPhone and stuff like that. Like just makes it easier to manage. Um, but yeah, it, the 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 interface itself uh, does need some love. I know it, it kind of got overhauled this year. Um, but man, is it really buggy? <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> you guys, but I am seeing all sorts of bugs. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. All of them. Have you ever had the thing where you've got a long shortcut and you're like scrolling through it to get to where you want and you manage to let your finger linger on the screen just a moment too long and you, yep. and then you grab an action and move it yep. somewhere. And oh. then, but then the scroll continues and you're like, well, I'm screwed. I have no idea what I there just did. There is an undo did. button, which I've used for that. <laughs> yeah. um, the problem is, is whenever that happens is I then also tap done to make sure that, you know, I don't have other stuff there. Um, and then, yeah, it, it's, it's really annoying. I found scrolling with a trackpad much more reliable. So magic keyboard for the win. <laughs> Yeah, I found uh, I was tweeting about this a couple weeks ago. Basically, like just I I need versioning for shortcuts is what I need because yeah. I messed something up really bad, hit the done button by accident, and was just like, oh no, 
oh, I got to rebuild this. Re-. And it was a regex thing, too. And it was I deleted the the match text action. And I I'm not a regex expert like I to me, it's very much like a sledgehammer tool that I'm just going to keep on swinging until I actually get the thing right. Yeah. Uh, but I uh, yeah, there needs to be some kind of versioning built into shortcuts. And the stupid thing is there is versioning built into shortcuts. If somehow you manage to edit a shortcut on two different devices before one of them syncs, when you open yeah. it up in the future, it'll say, which one of these do you want to use? But, you know, there there's no way to go in really and compare them that I found. You know, I can sort of look at it and go, I think I edited the iPad one later and it was fine, maybe. But they both say iPad. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's versioning. I think that's just a conflict. That's just a conflict. Yeah. That's not really a version. But yeah, I get it. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Text Expander removes the repetition out of work, so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste, and better than scripts and templates. Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Take back your time and increase your productivity. I set up a text expander snippet just today for something I'm doing at work, where I need to enter the precise date and time followed by a particular keystring. The keystring will change every couple of days, but that's easy enough to do, and now I always type exactly the same thing, and everything's input perfectly. As a listener of Automators, you get 20% off your first year. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about text expander. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander from Smile for their support of this show and Freelay FM. Okay, so you invoked before the break the word drafts, and I feel like yeah. we can't just let that go. Um, uh, I think next to shortcuts, drafts is probably one of the most frequently talked about automation tools, especially in relation to iPad and, and iOS. So tell us your draft story. How did you get into it, and what are you doing with it? I, I came to drafts kind of late, actually. I got into it when version 5 was in beta. Uh, okay. And I was like, okay, I get this. Uh, this makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and I, I ended up making a whole video about it. But the idea of just being able to have something that you can quickly write your text down in on your phone uh, whenever you're going. And this was, you know, the heyday of my my IT career. So I was, uh, you know, I'm constantly writing down port numbers or IP addresses or all sorts of different things. And drafts was perfect for just hitting the icon, start typing, and then you can close it and come back to it later. Drafts was like the perfect application for that. Um, even even still, like with QuickNote and stuff like that, I still think drafts is the easiest way to take a note because while QuickNote is great on the iPad, there is no QuickNote on the Mm-mm. iPhone. So uh, or, or drafts Mac. is great. Yeah. It, uh, I thought QuickNote was on the Mac. It's not? It kind of is because it keeps getting in the way on my Monterey beta machine. Interesting. Yeah, so it keeps popping up whenever I put my mouse in the bottom right-hand corner and it won't go away. And it's a draft note that I created whilst podcasting at some point and it's 
not something I want appearing when I put my mouse in that corner. So I need to get rid of it at some point. But it, it's also never bothered me enough that I've actually gone and got rid of it. Um, like I probably should. Um, but yeah, quick note on iPad. I've simulate on, on iPhone, sorry. I've simulated with the accessibility feature for double back tap. And I've mm. assigned it to a shortcut, which creates a new blank draft and opens it in drafts. That's clever. Yeah, that's a good idea. Rose. Because then I can just pick up my phone. I double tap approximately where the Apple logo is. This works in a case. It runs my automation and a couple of seconds later I'm in drafts. Um and or not even a couple of seconds. It's half a second, I guess. I'm I'm in drafts right now. So I just tapped it. Um so uh yeah I love that feature. Yeah I mean and, and as much as I love that ugly beast that is obsidian um I really think that there's a place in my heart always for drafts because exactly what Chris said. I mean, you open the app and you start typing. There is no friction. And I guess the thing that QuickNote misses, in my opinion, is the action on that text. I mean, QuickNote will capture it for you, but only drafts can say, okay, save this to the append file for the update to the shortcuts field guide, or text this out to my two sisters, or, you know, just like the two things that, you know, it does. Um, it just doesn't, you know, it, you know, quick note just doesn't go to that next step. But anyway, I, I'm banging on about drafts and we have a guest here to talk about drafts, so I should shut up. Yeah, no, no, I, but I completely agree with you. I mean, the name's quick note and it, it worked perfectly in the early betas, but now when you invoke it, it opens a previous note instead of a new note, which is how it should work. But whatever, besides the point, drafts works perfectly for this. Um, uh, one of my favorite things about drafts is, um, when you're using drafts and you close it and you reopen it, I think the default is 60 seconds and it will keep that old draft open before just creating a new draft every time you open the app, Um, which is great on the iPhone. So like I can close it and be like, Oh wait, I forgot something and reopen it back up. But on the iPad, I use that eye icon down at the bottom that always keeps my previous draft open. The the last draft that I was working in, um, because that's it's my text editor. This is where I do all my note taking research, um, script writing, anything that you can kind of think of here, here and between like all all my text writing happens in drafts, uh, which is nice uh, because I like having just one application where everything lives. But I use uh, an action. I did not make this action because my <laughs> my JavaScript skills are uh, aren't that impressive. They are uh, my my auto teacher used to say, uh, "You know enough to be dangerous," and that's how I feel about my JavaScript skills. I know sure. enough to be dangerous, uh, so <laughs> I most of the time break things or don't write it correctly. Um, so I got this action from the drafts action dictionary called cross linking, and what this does is it gives when you hit it, it gives you a menu option for um finding another draft and then it'll do the uh the col you know the the colon colon name of draft uh colon colon uh so that way you can tap on that and it'll jump right to that draft i know that's the same thing in obsidian and all that all those sure. other fun markdown applications but that cross-linking feature basically allows me to link drafts together so when i do a video i usually will have three, four, five different drafts documents. I'll have notes, research, uh, the script, sponsorship, stuff like that. And I can link all of those two together. Yeah. I mean, drafts has a backlinking functionality that's created through a JavaScript um, plugin that that was done. I, I use the same one. I don't, I, we should give credit to whoever wrote it, but I don't have access to that 
that right now. I believe so. The crosslinking, a couple of people. Uh, so Tim Hummock was uh, certainly trying this uh, along with several other people, and then Greg Pierce, uh, Agile Tortoise himself, uh, created. Um, I can't remember if it's an action or if it's an action group. I'm looking for it right now to make sure it's in the show notes for people. I put it in the doc. I just pulled it up. Yes, Greg was the one that made it. Of course, it was Greg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and and it's a it's an action directory. So, like, there's a whole bunch of actions in there. I mostly just use the insert link to draft, which basically yeah. allows you to link pulls up a menu. And the reason why I do that instead of just hitting the the bracket bracket, um, I said colon earlier. I meant bracket. Yeah. Um, uh, the bracket bracket name bracket bracket. I Weekly am terrible. Game. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, I am terrible at remembering the names of stuff I, I I made. Like I can never remember what I named documents. So what this action gives you is a menu to search through or just tap on a draft and link it right in there. And that's that's exactly what I need. I like what Obsidian does and apps like Craft and stuff like that, where they have a menu. Like at, you can type the at symbol or start doing the wiki leaking wiki linking. And it'll just, you know, kind of start to autofill it for you. But drafts doesn't have that yet. Hopefully, maybe one day. No, but it did recently add support for previews um, in uh, on those links, um, which is really great in the latest yeah. update. I love that preview feature. I mean, and drafts really is kind of a more generic tool. And I think Greg, if he was here, would agree. I mean, it's written to be able to do whatever you need with text where mm -hmm. things like Rome and craft and obsidian even uh, are very kind of opinionated and there's a way right way to use those apps where drafts you can, you can bend it to your will. And I think yes. that that's to me why I think that there's, you know, like I said earlier, I, I think drafts is the place where I capture text. And for me, obsidian is the place with long-term storage and other things that I do with it. And they work together fine. I mean, not to mention you were saying, I think even before we started recording today, how you're not completely comfortable with Obsidian as an iPad app because it doesn't look like an iPad app. I mean, yeah. it just doesn't, it feels like an Electron app on your iPad. And the, um, whereas Drafts is very much a, a native app experience and Greg spends a lot of time making sure it is. Yeah, like one of the things I use in drafts a lot is the multi-window feature on the iPad. So I will have multiple draft documents open on my iPad and I'll have them in split view or I can just jump around using the new shelf feature in iPadOS 15 or, or whatever. Um, and Obsidian, what kind of the, the kind of thing that just killed me right there is it does not have support for multi-window at all. Like you just have the one window. So I can get over the Electron app. That That doesn't bother me as much. Uh, but like when it comes to those like core features of how a device works, um, I, I find those to be really important, like stuff like multi-window, drag and drop, uh, split screen or split view and all that kind of support. I, I honestly think if I were like 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 Chris Lolly, if I was a guy who primarily used an iPad, I probably would not be an Obsidian user. I'd probably be a craft user. That would be the yeah. app that I use for that, that type of stuff because craft is so much better on the iPad than Obsidian is. But, you know, the, the nice thing with Obsidian is it's like, it's the ultimate customizability. You can write your oh, yeah. own plugins and do things with it. But but if you just, if you're happy with the built-in built craft feature set, you're saving yourself a lot of pain and suffering. Yeah. 
Oh, I have to say, Chris, you said you know, know enough to be dangerous as a JavaScript developer. That's all JavaScript developers know. Yeah. I, I write <laughs> JavaScript. Uh, JavaScript is 50% of my day job. And it's, it's I know enough to be dangerous and break the things that I need to break in order to find what I need to fix to fix the problem. Um, there are many people out there better JavaScript developers than me, but unless it's literally, you know, your primary development focus, it, it, it's one of those languages that, especially with the variations of Angular, AngularJS, React, um, all of the, the different options, there, there's so much going on that it's impossible to know everything. Yeah, and, and that describes 99% of people who write AppleScript, honestly. I mean, <laughs> You know, like you got like Sal Segoyan and a couple other folks who like really know what they're doing in AppleScript and the rest of us that start with Google. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's how I primarily learned PowerShell in my IT days is I just Googled everything. And then uh, I read a book and I cannot remember. Oh, it was uh, learn PowerShell in 30 days of lunches or something like that. Uh, I think it's something something in a month of lunches. I've just found it on Google. Auto complete for the win. Yes, that is a solid book. If you have an IT job and you want to learn PowerShell to automate most of that IT job so you don't actually have to do that IT job, uh, that is a solid, solid book right there. Yeah, the other book I'd I'd recommend for people who are looking at that and going, oh, PowerShell, I don't I don't use Windows uh, is uh, automate the boring stuff with Python. Uh, Yeah, that's that's a good option, too. I, I wrote an Apple script recently to um, to either go to and select a specific mailbox in Apple Mail or move a message to a specific mailbox, and I covered this in the uh, webinar I did last week as the show publishes. But the um, the I got it working for every mailbox except the inbox, and I spent like an hour googling it. I was about to write Sal because I was just about to give up, and I thought, well, let me try this. And I just made the word inbox all caps and it started working and buried Ugh. in the Apple mail dictionary somewhere for Apple script is a requirement that if you're going to designate the inbox, it'd be in all caps. And I'm like, sure. Why not? You know, it's like because oh, somebody wow. at some point thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, and that's Case probably sensitivity. been some... <laughs> It's the bane and the savior of many an automation. And that's probably been there for 20 plus years yeah, too. Like, exactly. Like, Exactly. Uh, since probably the first OS 10 shift, like, yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, so, so to share some more of your, uh, the stuff you're doing with drafts. Um, okay. Let me, uh, pull up here just, uh, oh, so one of the things that I do is I have an icon in my doc and a lot of people have been asking me about this when they see, uh, it in videos and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's just a rocket ship and that goes to a launchpad document. And this is basically a document with everything that I'm working on. So all the video projects I'm doing, all the stuff that I'm kind of working on for upcoming projects, sponsorships, um, any business related things that are there, all of that is linked in one draft. So I, I was talking earlier about how I put things and drafts in split view together. Uh, mm. In the morning, I basically start my day with things and this drafts document in split view. And I basically kind of just work down the list of the two apps and it's like, okay, here's everything that I got going on. Make sure it, all the tasks that are in things are up to date. Make sure all the, the, the stuff that's linked properly in drafts is linked together. Um, it, it is a very manual process that I have to do to kind of get all those link links to work correctly, you know, cause as I finish a project, I have to go in and delete it. Like it would be yeah. cool if I could somehow get things and drafts to work together. Like if I mark this project as complete, 
archive these drafts or whatever. That would be cool, but that's not that's not there. Um, but yeah, so like having these kinds of documents together just kind of helps organize my brain a little bit. If I don't write something down, I will completely forget about it. I will not remember. Uh, um, uh, I, I can't, I, my brain just forgets things like I, like right there, I lo- totally lost where I was going with that sentence and, uh, yeah, I just completely lost it. But yeah, linking things in drafts is just a nice way of staying organized, especially if you're using drafts as a note-taking application or a, um, text auto or text, uh, text editor or whatever kind of document, just linking things together. Like right now I have uh, a bunch of documents right are a bunch of like little snippets of text saved because i got rear-ended a couple of nights ago that wasn't fun um so when you get in a car accident you get a whole bunch of information from a bunch of different insurance companies and i don't want to lose that so i have a master drafts document that links to all of these other text documents so i so whenever i have a phone call with these insurance people i can go to that master document and quickly jump to where wherever that text is and it's just a nice feature of that linking um Another thing that I do with drafts that I absolutely love is I use I build a lot of templates in drafts. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure this is I know this is something you guys have talked about, but like I can't stress enough. Like there is an action when you go to set up a, a drafts action called insert text. And yeah. that is a very powerful tool. I have all like my video descriptions, emails to potential sponsorships, um, all sorts of like business related things in this templates category and just with one button, I can tap it, fill in the, you know, the information that, you know, it can't be pulled from variables or whatever, uh, fill that in, copy it or use another drafts action and send it as an email or something like that. It's just such a nice feature in the app that I'm kind of surprised more text editors, um, don't take advantage of having templates. I know that's a big thing in obsidian right now is like the community is using a bunch of plugins to build templates. Yeah, well, but honestly, the template builder in Obsidian, man, I'm going to get the Obsidian people mad at me, but they, I don't think it's as good as drafts. Um, really? The, yeah, the, the template, I mean, there are some good stuff. Uh, anyway, I, I'm already in trouble, so I'll just so, so what I, <laughs> but, what I do here, because I already had all of my templates and everything set up in drafts, because I don't just use the insert text. Um, drafts actually has a template engine itself, yeah. um, which you can you can do a bunch of things with. Of course, you can't just use the insert text and um, but there's also the ability to grab things from certain folders in Finder and so on, um, you know, inside the Drops iCloud folder. Um, and I do that um, to create a bunch of templates. So I do that and I pass it off to Obsidian um, afterwards because I already had the automation. It works the way I want it to. It works the way it's always worked. I don't have to change my workflow. And we all know workflow switching costs are big because it's not just how much time does it cost you. It's also how much brain does it cost you. Um, mm-hmm. And Chris, you're not the only one that gets lost mid-sentence. I do that too. Um, so, you know, it's it's really useful to be able to just take that and just go, okay, so I've created this and now I'm going to dump it in Obsidian because that works for me. Yeah, and, and you just kind of do what makes sense. Like, for instance, in Obsidian, I have a template for a new client project. You know, when a, a legal client asked me to do a thing for them, there's a new markdown document created and it's got all the like stuff in there. It's got the YAML matter. It's got the the links for the OmniFocus project. It does all that for me. But when someone calls me and I want to take notes on that call, I have a drafts template and I open drafts and I push a button and it fills in the date and the time and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I type in who I'm talking to and I can take notes 
And I find it easier to do something like that out of drafts than Obsidian. And so you just got to like, once you kind of get an understanding of these templated text tools, they're all about the same, really. They aren't that different. Um, You can use that automation to to make your life easier. Yeah, absolutely. Drafts also recently got updated to make custom theming too. Yeah. Uh, And I, I, not recently, it was a while ago, but I recently finally got around to uh, making my own theme. It's on the drafts theme uh directory it's just called dark knight um but like i i am so happy with like the way this looks and like the 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 customization that you can really do with this kind of thing uh or with this kind of app is just it's i I, i'm kind of surprised more apps don't do not not to the level that drafts did it but like just like customizing applications the way you do this i know a lot of designers are very um opinionated and they're like hey you know like this is my design i don't want people to touch it but like being able to make the app feel like my own and like i have the right font and i have like a nice blue tint to everything that looks really nice and kind of you know just matches my aesthetic uh if you will it's i don't know everyone i I highly doubt you have any listeners that haven't checked out drafts but if you haven't like it's such a good application it's yeah, I, I can't stress it enough. I like to talk about it on my channel whenever I can. I've done like a few like deep dive videos into it and I'm, I'm going to work on another one probably in October or November. Yeah. And, and just on that point of customization, I think honestly, it's time for that. It's time for app developers to hand over the keys to the users and let them do things. I mean, the stuff that's going on with carrot weather and drafts, custom UI yeah. and some of these apps are already kind of leading the way, but I honestly think that's the next big thing that needs to happen with apps on iPad and iPhone is let users customize. Look how everybody went crazy, you know, when they were able to try and customize their icons on their their, their devices. Oh, yeah. And, you know, people want this. And I, I feel like if you're trying to sell an app and make money selling an app, giving people what they want is a pretty good idea. Yeah, definitely. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Privacy. Go to privacy.com slash automators for smarter payments and get $5 to spend on your first purchase. So a few years ago, I decided to buy myself an Indiana Jones bag. You know that bag he carries in all those movies? I found a website online that sold them, but the website was out of the country and seemed really sketchy. And as I started putting my credit card information into the, the system, I realized... I'm not sure I want to do this. I'm not sure where my credit card is going. And as a result, I did not buy the bag. So I I was scared off of a purchase I wanted to make just because I was afraid of the internet. And I think everybody probably has a similar story. Privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial lives online while keeping your most important information secure by generating virtual numbers. Privacy masks your bank information. So you never have to worry about giving it out to people you don't know online. I could have bought that bag if I had privacy account a few years ago. Look, I don't want to give my credit card information to just anybody over the internet. I just don't trust them. That's why a service like privacy is so important. It gives you that anonymity and that protection of your financial accounts while letting you still conduct business over the internet. As I looked into the sponsor for the show, I realized this is something I need and I signed up myself. So take back control of your payments, decide who can charge your card, how much and how often, and you can close cards at any time. 
Plus, you can make sure that you are never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. And privacy is partnered with the folks at 1Password. You can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. Indeed, I'm doing that myself. All virtual cards created in 1Password have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards. And you can set spend limits, create single-use or merchant lock cards wherever you want. So head to privacy.com slash automators and sign up for an account. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Once again, that link is privacy.com slash automators. Sign up now. And our thanks to Privacy for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. Chris Lolly, I know your secret. I know your deep, dark secret, Chris, <laughs> that you are the guy who makes videos about the iPad, but you have a Mac mini running Hazel in the background. So now we get to talk about the Mac for a little while. Okay. <laughs> how, how, how did the Mac enter the equation for you? Um, so last November, uh, I think it was November, whenever the M1 Macs were introduced, uh, everyone was going nuts for them. And I was like, huh. Yeah. That's interesting. And I was I was already planning my exit from my day job. And I was like, you know, I probably should have something other than an iPad laying around because my other computer, I had computers, but they were work computers uh, that belonged to the company. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to take these with me, obviously. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I should probably have something other than that. So I ended up ordering uh, an M1 Mac Mini, 16 gigs of RAM, one terabyte of storage. And my idea for this was it was going to be my file and automation server. Sure. Uh, I don't use it for editing video. I don't use it for editing photos. Any of my I don't write scripts on it or anything like that. It primarily runs headless uh, and I use jump desktop to control it from my iPad. Um, but it's been an interesting utility that I don't feel like I've fully taken advantage of yet. Um, I do have Hazel running on it. I I'm using that for a few different things. I have it watching some folders in iCloud drive. Um, one for instance is a, uh, a folder I use for basically shortcuts versioning that we were talking about earlier. Matthew Casanelli and I, when I was complaining about not having versioning, uh, we came up with a shortcut to do versioning. Uh, so I set it up as an automation on my iPad. So it automatically exports those shortcuts. Then it gets put in a folder in iCloud Drive. I don't really want it to sit there. So I have Hazel watch that folder. And when it gets there, it puts it locally on that Mac Mini. So it kind of just pulls it out of iCloud Drive and it just stores it separately. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Hazel is like a great pairing for an iPad lifestyle. Like if you have yeah. a Mac available to you, because it really does kind of excel at the thing that the iPad is bad at um, yep. in my experience of, you know, managing multiple files and moving things around. It just, the iPad's just not good at that. And if you've got a, a Mac sitting around that can just run a set of Hazel rules and point it at your iCloud drive that like solves so many problems for someone who wants to use an iPad. Yep. Uh, one of the issues that I've always had is uh, backing up footage uh, that I've shot. So B-roll footage of, products that were sent to me and I got to send back so I don't get to keep them. But like, hey, I, I want to make sure I can, you know, um, keep B-roll footage of this stuff around. So if I ever need to reference it in a future, um, I, so I can call back to it from a drive. 
obviously it's not something that 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 ends up being hundreds and hundreds of gigs. It's not something I want to leave on my iPad. So I have a folder that I can dump all that stuff into an iCloud drive. Hazel will see it and then move it automatically in the background. I don't have to deal with it at all. Move it automatically to an archive folder in on an external drive. And it works seam- seamlessly. I've never had an issue with it. Uh, so Hazel is like a great utility, but there's some other stuff coming and I don't think it's been publicly announced. So I don't know if I can say what it is, but like there's stuff coming that's going to pair with shortcuts on the Mac. That's going to make having a Mac mini, like a server sitting around running Mac OS. So nice for people that primarily work from an iPad and you could probably figure out what it is, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's been announced. So I don't want to say it. You are such a tease. You are such a I tease, know. Chris. I think if people look in our forums, they might find what you're talking about. I, yeah, I, 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 I had to go and ask if it was being made, and I got the yes, but not the public yes. So I don't, I don't, you know, I, people will figure it out, and and it may already be out by the time. I think what we can say is that you know how it's awesome that there's these like um, shortcut support apps on the yes. iPhone and iPad. These apps that do things that. Um, you know, that shortcuts doesn't do, they kind of enhance shortcuts feature set. Those apps are coming for the Mac and that's going to be great. Yeah. And multiples of them are, I have been talking to a lot of developers recently. It's very exciting. Yes. And there's one in particular that, uh, running a headless Mac mini is going to be perfect for. So, uh, I, I'm really excited for that. And I'm really excited to kind of dive into what that is going to mean for, um, me, like, uh, one of the things I was talking to, uh, Matthew Casanelli about a couple of days ago is the idea that my iPad is the client. The Mac mini is the server. So the Mac mini should be doing things in the background while my iPad is the device I'm interacting with. Sure. Uh, and, and I want that Mac mini, even though I, I'm, you know, I'm somebody that works from an iPad. I, I, this is, this is what I do. Um, I still want that server to be around. I'm a former network admin. I like the idea of having computers running and doing tasks for me that I don't need to spend my time in the middle of the day doing. And like a Mac mini is in the background running your, um, your backups while you're on your iPad editing your video. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's one of the, I've complained about, this is another thing I've complained about is the iPad does not have a good backup solution at all. Um, the only backup solution is iCloud and that just backs up an image. So if you lose your iPad gets, or not lose your iPad, I mean, guess you when if your iPad, you know, you delete something that you shouldn't have, uh, you now have to restore that image of the iPad, which just brings a whole other headache because maybe it didn't back up because it only backs up when it's plugged into power and turned off uh and and like not being used it doesn't back up like right now it's sitting right next to me and it's not going to back up right now because it's being used uh so using that mac mini and hazel together building that kind of um pseudo backup system really kind of how really helps my um my my brain not go into overload freaking out thinking oh my gosh at any point i could lose all the video projects that i'm working on i i i'm working on one of the biggest ones i've ever made right now my ipad os 15 walkthrough it's it's almost an hour long and there is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gigs of files that i'm like it you know if something were to happen to that ipad that would be terrible but i know it's backed up yeah that's that's the whole thing you needed to be backed up 
Yeah, and I find it annoying all these people who are like, well, I'm on, you know, team iPad or I'm on team Mac. I, I honestly think that if you, you know, as Ferris Bueller said, if you have the means, if you can have an iPad and a Mac, you're going to find uses for both of them. Yeah. And Absolutely. don't get hung up on it. You know, use whatever's whatever tools best for the job and just get on with life. And like in Matt's case, I'm sorry. In Chris's case. In Chris's case. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> You're talking about Matt Castanelli so much. He's on my mind now. Uh, so in Chris's case, <laughs> he's using the, um, you know, he's using the iPad most for his production work, like making videos and things, but that that's okay. You know, and if you're a final cut person say, oh, I need to do that on my Mac, that's okay. You, you yeah. shouldn't uh, begrudge Chris wanting to do it on his iPad. And Chris doesn't begrudge you doing it on your Mac. Just everybody take a chill pill. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm a firm believer and you should use the computer. If you're a nerd, you should use the computer that makes you happy because there's pro- if you're a nerd, there's probably a computer that makes you happy yeah. to use. Yes. And for me, that's the iPad. Um, I've said this line in my videos a lot just to kind of prove a point. I've, I've built PCs in the past. I, I've been a network admin. I've used Macs, but the iPad is just my favorite computer. And like, there's not really just like one thing that I can point to that says like, oh, this is the the reason why. I just, I just get joy out of using it. And you know, at the end of the day, like that's fine. I I still see people get upset when you know people are like, oh, you use an Android phone, and I'm like, why are we still having these arguments? Yeah, like just ha- use the computer you like. Yeah. I, I still think the of all the computers I've ever owned, no computer has sparked more delight in me than an iPad. It's just, I, I, it, you know, having grown up watching 2001 and Star Trek and all that, and suddenly sitting on the couch with this amazingly powerful computer that's a slab of glass, how can you not, as a nerd, get excited about that? Um, I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've chilled on the iPad a little bit. I'm not trying to do as much with it as I used to but I still love picking it up and using it. I I mean, right next to me, I have an iPad with the same chip as the high, the, the fast as Mac, Mac right Mini. now, the M1 Mac. Yeah, yeah, with 16 gigs of RAM and two terabytes of storage. I mean, my iPad technically has more, well, not technically, it does have more internal storage than my Mac Mini. I mean, my Mac Mini has a bunch of external drives plugged into it, but uh, like, the fact that those are essentially the same computer, but you just interface with them differently is just so cool to me. Like I could geek out on this stuff all day long. Yeah. What, so which iPad are you using? I guess we should have asked you that at the beginning. Um, I am using a 2021 uh, two terabyte, 12.9 inch iPad pro. I'm a firm believer that if you're somebody that wants to work from the iPad fully, the 12.9 inch iPad pro is the way to go. Um, just because like you get that extra screen real estate, it's better for multitasking. Um, if you want the iPad to kind of complement your workflow, that's kind of when the 11 inch might make a little more sense. Um, but I think if you're somebody that wants to go all in on the iPad, the 12.9 is, is totally worth it. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be editing video, that extra glass is going to help. Yeah, the Luma Fusion is a bit cramped on anything smaller than the 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Uh, right. I I am in te- I'm in the camp of bring me the 15 inch iPad Pro next. Like that's what I want. Uh, I'm ready for that. Uh, I I've even talked to in in the past about like how cool would it be to have like an iPad that's the Microsoft Studio style thing where yes. it's like it's a desktop computer plugged into power. You can tilt it, move it around, use the Apple Pencil on it and stuff like that. That would be pretty cool. Obviously, that's far off, like if that were to ever happen. But um, 
that I I'm I would be there for that. If I got Tim Cook's job today, I would say, guys, I want you to take a Microsoft Studio type tilting iMac. And when it's standing up, I want it to be running Mac OS. And when it tilts down, I want it to be a 27-inch iPad. That'd be pretty cool. You guys, it's got the same silicon in it. There's really, I mean, this is something that they could do if they wanted. And that would be my dream Mac. I mean, just think about that. You know, the ability to sit up there and have Apple script running and everything, then tilt it down and opening your favorite drawing app or whatever. I mean, that would be amazing. But uh, unfortunately, I don't have Tim Cook's job. Yeah. Yet. Yet, Dan. Never. Come on. Never, be a little never. optimistic there. No, they would, Come they on. Would, they would literally, I have, they'd say, you got to go to this meeting. And I'd be like, ah, never mind. I'll stay home. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally feel for I, you. I, like, I am unhireable uh, at this point. I, I kind of feel the same way too. I mean, I've, I've been self-employed for nine months now and it's like, uh, I don't think I could go back. Like, it, I don't think I could do, uh, meetings that don't have points to it anymore or like email threads that are just like, what are you guys trying to even say here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never attend a meeting without a, f- a formal agenda. People. You just triggered oh. something that I wanted to ask you earlier. Um, you're using iPad. Um, what What is your mail system with your iPad? Oh, um, so I, oh, this is a source of contention with me. Yeah. I've never found an email app that I am happy with. No, that you're like everybody else. We, nobody yeah. is happy. Yeah, nobody. No, there is no, uh, and I have a theory on why that is, but that's besides the point. Um, but there's stuff I like from all of them, but the best combination that I found is using Apple Mail with SaneBox. Um, yeah. SaneBox, uh, that basically having server side filtering, uh, is just really nice. Uh, why there's not filtering in Apple's mail apps. I s- don't understand, uh, or, or on the iPad and iPhone, at least, um, why there's not filtering there. It doesn't make any sense. Like even just some sort of smart folder, but with Sanebox, uh, I, I have public email addresses that are uh, in the description of my YouTube videos. There's business contacts and stuff like that. People like to sign me up for newsletters that um, I don't want to be on. And we all know the unsubscribe button doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, so just the ability to drag it to the same black hole folder is really nice. And to be able to organize things into like sane news or sane later is yep. really handy. Yeah, I, I have a suggestion for you. Now that you have that Mac oh. Mini, turn on Apple Mail and the Mac Mini and use the Apple Mail rules in Apple Mail. Rather than rely, because Apple has lousy cloud support for Apple Mail rules, but the Apple Mail app on the Mac has a very powerful rule set. And if you've got that Mac Mini running, why not have Apple Mail in the background? Set up your own custom rules, and and then that stuff will just you know show up on your iPad because you know the the accounts are synced. Yes, I tried that, but I think there was like an issue when I tried that with a beta. Oh no. It was my email account. Never mind. I need to try that again. You're 100% correct. That is a good idea. Yeah. I mean, the Apple Mail rules are very, like, for automators, I mean, the Apple Mail rule set, I'm not aware of any native app that has more powerful rules. I think Google Mail or Gmail has better cloud-based rules. Yeah. So Gmail has really great cloud rules, better than iCloud's cloud rules. But the the beauty of the of, of Mail's rules is you can have it run on stuff that you've read. So at night, I actually have Keyboard Maestro activate mail, select everything, and apply rules because I have rules that apply to 
meals that I've 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 read. And I don't want it to apply to things that I haven't read, but things that I've read, good enough. You know, you've read it. You had your chance. I'm yeah. going to delete this for you now because it just deals with it. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Chris Lolly, thanks so much for coming on the show today and sharing some of your automations with us. And uh, both Rose and I are fans of all the great stuff you're making on YouTube. And I'm, I'm really uh, happy to hear how much automation you're using to get your work done. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. I really enjoy the show and both of you guys. So I, I was super, super excited to be here. Uh, so, Thank you very much. So if people want to go check you out, Chris, we're going to put a link to your website and your YouTube in the show notes. Anywhere else people should go? Um, you could find me on Twitter. I'm Chris underscore Lolly, L-A-W-L-E-Y. Uh, I'm also on glass there. If you're into photography and stuff like that, I've gotten very into photography over the last few years. And that has been a really fun platform that I've been really enjoying. Excellent. Well, next time we have you back, I want to talk about your photography and your video setup and how that all works together. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to. All right. We are the Automators Podcast. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. You can find our amazing forums, which... By the way, when you do Google how to automate something, it is remarkable how many times those automators forums show up. Yeah, a friend of mine just messaged me today and said, hey, I Googled something and your automators forum came up. Yeah. It was great. That's awesome. The, the funny one is when you Google it and it's a post you wrote that came up and you're like, oh, yeah, I not only did I figure this out once I posted about it, but now I've completely forgot. Um, but anyway. Past you is doing present you a favor with you documenting go. your automation. That go. happened to me with a video. I was curious if anyone had made a video idea that I had. And I was like, oh, I made that video. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, you can find those forums over at talk.automators.fm. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, LinkedIn Jobs, Smile, and Privacy. They help us keep the lights on. So please go, go check them out. And uh, we'll see you next time.